Hello, beautiful light-filled souls. My name is Trisha Barker, and I'm excited to let you know that the second annual online near-death experience summit is coming up this June 23rd with speakers, Dr. Raymond Moody, Lisa Smart, Dr. Jeffrey Long, Dr. Eben Alexander, Karen Newell, Nancy Rines, Howard Storm, Paul Perry, David Ditchfield, Leslie Lupo, Kimberly Clark Sharp, Dr. Tony Chicoria, John Burke, Jose Hernandez, and me, your host. There are plenty of videos to check out ahead of time, but please look at this link and we'd love to have you join. You can get your questions answered by the speakers at this event. And thank you. Thank you so much for your support of my memoir, Angels in the OR, which launched last month. It is such a pleasure to connect with readers, and many people have enjoyed the Audible. So if you don't have an Audible subscription, you can have three, 30 days um, for free and get my book that way. But I would love to hear from you, and I hope you enjoyed this recording. You can check out these interviews on my YouTube channel. I'm converting many of them over to podcast, but enjoy. Hello, beautiful, light-filled souls. My name is Trisha Barker, and I'm here with Tara Rose to talk about healing and near-death experiences and all kind of life experiences and just a few days before Valentine's Day. So I would like to begin with having you, Tara, just tell me what is significant about Valentine's for you, and then maybe we'll get into your near-death experience. All right. <laughs> <laughs> So, um, yeah, Valentine's Day for me, it definitely isn't about the the hearts and the candies and, and stuff like that. Um, and I'm not, I'm not prepared, really, but still, <laughs> but, um, but it, it has a number, it has a lot of significance for me in terms of the love that we're here on earth to experience and to feel and to receive as well uh, while we're in our human form. Um, there are multiple ties to Valentine's Day for me that are really important that don't have really anything to do with romantic love. Um, one of them, a near-death experience, another, a dream that was like a mimic of a near-death experience that was also just as profound, if not more so in certain ways. Um, and the other is that, um, I mean, I, I came in, you know, connected to the other side, which is another story. Like for me, as you're already aware, my journey has been one of the reluctant mystic. Um, but <clears throat> my grandmother died on my dad's side, died when I was fairly young. Um, she passed away, um, like she was very well loved in her life, but she never knew how to receive that love. Mm -hmm. um, I still probably get emotional talking about this. And she passed away on Valentine's Day holding a bunch of the unopened Valentines in her hand. Wow. Uh, and it was very much a symbol for how she lived her life and how she did not know how to let this love in. Mm. And um, I share a lot in common with her. I mean, she passed away when I was very, very little. I did not know her well. When I was 12, I started feeling her presence around me. 
when I turned 13, and I didn't talk with my dad about this. He's a psychiatrist, and I was terrified of what he would think of a lot of the experiences that I had. But when I turned 13, he gave me a ring of hers that he had saved um, and this book that he had written about her and about how much like her I was. And and it was very interesting that it was, you know, I, I don't know, somewhere between six months and a year on from when I started feeling her presence very clearly around me. Um, Interesting. And so for me, Valentine's Day is is about this this greater experience of love that we're here to have that does encompass love with romantic love with another, but it's so so much greater about being the love yeah. that we are. And I think as a near-death experiencer, you know and you've touched the love that is just so natural in our natural state of being on the other side. But you bring up an interesting point about your grandmother not being open to receiving that love. And I'm I'm very clear, you know, that I came back to give love, give love to my students, to just be this vessel of love. But yeah, sometimes receiving love is hard. I mean, that is in, in other ways, like more challenging. Yes. Yes, I and I think that um, in both experiences that I had, the near-death experience and then the dream that was like a near-death experience, part of the extraordinary pain that I felt when I realized I still wanted to be in the body was that I was how little I knew about being able to receive. And I think that is a big, <laughs> I'm going to get emotional again, but I think it is so much of what we're here to know and human beings giving and receiving they they are like this and if we're blocked in receiving we're somehow also you know it's it it is a two-way street you know what i'm saying yeah and i wonder that's interesting like just as you said that i wonder if that's why sometimes people who give a lot sometimes attract attract narcissists because they're not open to receiving love and they just give and give and give it's might be it's it's often the same like two sides of the same coin yeah interesting so i would like to hear you describe your near-death experience though and and this was like the day before valentine's day was it yes wow yeah wow and you were held 18. wow yeah. <laughs> so if you don't mind just jumping in to that experience. And I'm just chuckling because, because like, you know it and it's like, I'm just awkward. Um, <laughs> well, actually, I didn't know your age, actually. Then, so. <laughs> I know we had technical difficulties. It's funny. This happens with, with near-death experiencers. I'm just like... I'm, accustomed to the fact that we're going to have to film twice. <laughs> I, I fry technology all the time. Like anyone who follows my YouTube videos like and has done so regularly or has gotten a recorded reading from me knows it's like, hey, sorry, camera froze again. Hey, sorry, camera froze again. Like, <laughs> I was also born under Mercury retrograde, and I think it's just like, I don't know, my energy fries technology, and if there are two of us, it's like, Oh, I know. And it's so much fun to talk to someone else who's a near-death experiencer and into healing work and all this, but I'm going to have to get better technology. <laughs> like, <laughs> someone else is going to have to do this for me. But but anyway, I, I'll try to yeah. calm everything down and let you <laughs> tell your story. 
Um, yeah, so I was, I was 18, like, like I mentioned, uh, I mean, I was a reluctant mystic, so I, it was a strange thing for me because I understood that there was another, the, the other side, and I had had experiences from a very young age that were what you might call multidimensional, um, but I, what, that was a very challenging, um, time in my life, like, I had, I had had to leave school when I was quite young because I was very ill. Then I moved out on my own when I was very young. Um, had a lot of anger, um, a lot of bitterness, you know. And um, but I was one of the saving graces in my life was dance. And um, I kind of I gotten into that when I was fifteen. And when I was seventeen, I started studying belly dance. Um, and so that night, the night before Valentine's Day, I'd been at the dance studio at the community college for several hours. Um, I'd been there for a class and then a buddy of mine who did belly dance also stayed with me and we danced for several hours. And I always say that that <laughs> dance is like what allowed me to be able to re-enter my body. Like I said, if I had come from like math class or something, it would have just been like instant broken neck or something like that. Um, but I, you know, we'd been there for several hours dancing really hard and um, it was evening, like dusk, almost, almost dark and rainy, you know, um, and I was coming down to this really blind intersection that now, because there have been so, so many accidents, there are lights and things, but, um, I, I thought it was clear. And so I moved out into the intersection and it was like, you know, in an instant, there was this Dodge Durango that was going, that was just speeding towards me. And, um, I was in a tiny little Mazda. Dodge Durango. Um, and the, I mean, the last thing I remember being in my body, because there was like this gap of time when I wasn't in my body, the last thing I remember was seeing these headlights coming. And um, then, you know, as as you're aware, and we've talked about a little bit before, it's like like everything... Time is irrelevant. It doesn't have the same, it's not the same as it, or we think it is here. <laughs> Did you see your body or were you just immediately somewhere else? Um, I was immediately, I was immediately like ejected. I was out. Yeah. Um, I did a little while later, I did see the scene from above, but like basically the next thing I knew was I was up. Um, with you know a whole band of beings and you know one guide in particular that I recognized and um, and actually I think my grandmother was there you know and there were a lot of beings there and I remember it was this um, I'm just noticing I still have soot on my hands sorry um, <laughs> this moment of, of choice, you know, and yeah, I don't really know how to put words to it still. 
But it was that, do you want to stay, you know, or this is an opportunity to leave. Um, and there's kind of an element of life review, or there was for me, but not, it wasn't, a, it wasn't about direct specific experiences, but more of the feeling of my life and the feeling like also being shown the feeling that I wanted to have in life of this experience of love. So you reviewed it and you didn't see the kind of love coming through that you wanted to experience. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, and, and there was just this profound feeling of, I don't want to go, you know, I want to be able to feel this and live and, you know, still have my life. Um, back in the body is another challenge, but, and then, then it was sort of almost all wrapped up in one. Like I could sense that I was still connected, like as one is when they astral travel, you know, via this sort of cord back down to the car. Um, and, and I was shown the, the scene from above, but in a weird you know, like there were these huge beings of light wrapping themselves around the car. And now that I think about it, Trisha, I hadn't actually really thought about this before. And because it's so long ago, like I don't, I don't replay this in my head a lot. Right. Um, I almost feel like it, it was in that moment of me choosing that those beings wrap their themselves around the car. I had never really made that connection because I think, you know, when people towed away my car, they thought no one survived. Interesting. So I wonder if they were sending healing energy the way I saw angels send me healing energy. They very well could have been doing that. And also, I think, just protecting, you know yeah. what I mean? Um, yeah, and so then, then, then all of a sudden, like, the next thing that I remember being in the body was my like the door being like pulled off of my car so that they could put me in the ambulance. Obviously there was a whole, whole span of time in there when, how and when the ambulance got there and all of that, I have no idea. I want to go back to your experience because I do want you to talk a little bit more about the love. Did you, did you feel it from these beings or did you just feel love in general um, when you were outside of form? I felt, I felt, from these beings, yes, and like through that, because you know, as we've talked about before, we are energy incarnate, we are this source energy incarnate that is love, you know, and expresses in different ways. Um, and in that plane, there is no separation and there is no resistance to that love. So we can be shown what it's like very clearly. Um, yeah, and that clarity for me was so amazing. I mean, I know I understand when people want to come back, you know, because they want to experience more. But to me, it was just so beautiful and su in such contrast from anything I'd experienced, I kind of didn't want to come back. You know, I saw just how amazing it was. And maybe 
maybe I got farther, you know, down that tunnel of time where it just, I was more and more disconnected from, from this life. But what, did you feel any sorrow returning to this earth and being away from that love? Or did you feel like it was going to be easy to, to express that love once you came back to form? That's a good question. And I don't have a direct answer to that because you know, and I think these experiences are so different for different people, also depending on our personal soul's journey and like yeah. what we're here to learn, what resistance we're here to let go of and all of that. Uh, because I felt there this longing to experience this love through my life, through my form. But then suddenly being thrust into this reality and still like, the best I can liken it to is like still in the matrix, like being like suddenly back in the matrix. Yeah. And, and with all of my past trauma and all of this, it's like it, it didn't, um, it's an odd thing because I already had some like mystical experiences where, and I was resistant to them. So in certain ways it was like, even though I wanted that love, I was even resistant to the near-death experience. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, I, I understand. <laughs> That's, that is interesting. Like, I, I say that I was agnostic, but, you know, my early teens and childhood, I did have a lot of amazing mystical experiences. And especially, it sounds weird, but my 11th grade year of... Um, high school, I felt the presence of Walt Whitman. He like, we studied him and then I just felt him come through the grass and fill my body. And I was like, he's still here. You know, I was so excited, you know, to feel that moment with Whitman. And so, but I just thought that I had a vivid imagination, you know, as a poet or as a writer, it was like, oh, you know, whatever, and kind of brushed it aside. But the near-death experience, I wasn't resistant to, but that's interesting that you were, you were like, no. <laughs> It wasn't, it wasn't like a conscious resistance. It was more like how, like, I didn't know how to, uh, like, it took me a long time and many, many other experiences to integrate more and more of that near-death experience into my life in a sense. Like, for me, I feel like it was just one more stepping stone on my path as a mystic in a way. Yeah. Uh, Makes sense. And how do I, how do I, and you were so young too. I mean, you were 18 and, and not that 21 or 22 is that much older, but there is some life in between that. And yeah, it, there was definitely a big difference for me in terms of, I mean, I was always very mature for my age. Like people thought I was 21 when I was 13. Um, but there was still a big difference for me between 18 and 21, huge yeah. difference. Um, and I was more surrendered to that that love by age 21 but it's a journey um and and i think i don't know that like being able to it is it is a challenge for us human beings to be able to take that divine love that we are because that's what we're here to do and and integrate it into the matrix or in a sense i feel like what i've done in my life if we're going to keep up with the matrix uh, parallel is like I stepped out of the matrix a couple of years ago is how I feel oh, in what way that's interesting so this is 2015 when you stepped into being a healer 
2015, 2016, it's like I, I went into a very different realm of being and I lined up with myself. Like I, I, and it was years and years of letting go of lots of different conditioning on me. And that's all that we all have. Like we come in here and we have all this conditioning and we have the stuff that we bring forth from past lives and all of that. Um, and just as an aside, I don't think it's necessary to know about our past lives because we embed all the lessons in this life and in our family dynamics and all of that. But it's still whatever you want to call it, we bring it forward. It's still interesting, I think, on, on yeah. some level. We can clear it in this moment, certainly, and it can reverberate, I think, through time. But but yeah, so back to that near-death experience, though. You were back in the hospital, so were you in the hospital on Valentine's Day? That night, I'm not sure, I'm not sure when we got home, um, mm -hmm. because I was... You know, I didn't stay the entire night. Um, you know, head, head injuries. And yeah, they did all the M MRI and they did um, all of, you know, stitched me up in a bunch of different places because I had lots of cuts from the glass. Um, and like I said, I feel like the fact that I was just, I'd been dancing for several hours allowed my body to be like a rag doll. Um, but 17 staples here, I still have a huge scar. Um, and I don't know, you know, I, I, to this day, I still don't know, like, how my boyfriend got the message that I was in the hospital or how to, you know, like, it was, I don't even remember. Uh, but he did come and he brought me home. And, um, yeah, as I said to you before, like, the Valentine's morning, he was shaving my head like that. <laughs> Definitely not your typical Valentine's Day. <laughs> <laughs> but you're like, I'm alive. <laughs> I'm here. So I want to skip forward since I do know some about your story. How did 2008 and that dream just help you integrate the near-death experience um, and some of those lessons of your life on a deeper level? I... I think I had I had to have a lot of reminders along the way, um, and so you know I had this this dream that was also the night before Valentine's Day, um, that was so so real, like a like a near death experience, you know, and um, when in that dream. I've talked to you about it already, but it was so, I mean, it's graphic that my throat was slit and I could feel in the dream, I could feel the warmth of my blood like flowing down and I could feel the whole transition out of my body. And um, I had a very similar kind of moment, but in some ways even more intense. It was because it was like, it was, it was even more lucid where I had this, moment of gratitude for my life and the you know the life that I had lived and then it was this rush of feeling I that I can't explain you know being shown just how much love we're here to experience that we're here to allow to flow through us and like we were saying at the outset not just to give but to have as an exchange with 
life and that it is um, it is an indescribable thing but um, so that like came over me so so intensely and um, and also the understanding that this this is meant to encompass love with another person um, as part of it but not the whole shebang obviously um, I felt this tremendous sadness like a tremendous almost remorse for not being able to feel that in this life and then and it was so so real you know how dreams can sometimes be that way um, it was you know a gift from spirit or whatever you want to say um, and then in that tremendous sadness of you know I missed out I woke up and and I realized oh I still have this chance I still have this opportunity so how would you tell other people to be more receptive to experiencing more love and being in more connection with their divine flow of love well something that I talk and that you you are aware of too that's actually where I start with anybody is how well are you listening to yourself because for me it actually it all really does start with how much are we doing doing anything because it's what we think we should do and how much are we we just listening to who we really are in any given moment and that is that is a journey um, but and and it, it it's like the ability to listen to yourself um, and continue to follow that still brings like lesson upon lesson upon lesson beyond that you know but um, For me, listening to self is, that's listening to God. That's where we also open up the capability to really listen to spirit and, you know, bridge the dimensions and all of that because it it's connected to us, you know? Um, Interesting. Yes, yes. This is... A slightly different topic and this is where we're cut off and I want to uh, come back to it because it's so important and I've talked about it in other videos and and I do I didn't say this when we were talking before but I've recently been going through a healing a physical healing that I thought was pretty impossible I have this lineage of women in my family who had thyroid issues and so of course I developed a thyroid issue at some point and then as I kind of distanced myself from those family ties and said no I'm a totally different person I thought the thyroid was getting worse I had all these symptoms but it turns out the medication has to be really lowered and these nodules have kind of gone away they can't find them on the scan and the endocrinologist was like that's weird I don't know where they went and so the thyroid is actually healing and it's been a focus of you know internal work but it's also been some diet and some herbs and you know other things but I know you have some pretty profound experiences with healing, so I would like to hear more about that. <laughs> yeah, it's it's funny because it came up in 
it came up um, the other day, like I was saying to you, this particular part of my healing, my own personal healing, I hadn't thought about a lot in a while. Uh, because I feel like I've lived like multiple lives in one. <laughs> yes. Um, but I don't know whether to start at the end and go back or start at the beginning. Sorry, yeah, I'm just start at the end and go back. I think that'll be interesting. Okay. <laughs> so what? What? What did you heal in particular that a lot of people want to know about? So I am. Um... I healed from polycystic ovarian syndrome, um, and it, it, I had been diagnosed with it when I was like 15 or 16 and put on birth control pills, and that's how the medical establishment deals, it's like, well, let's just put a Band-Aid on it, basically. Um, and it's, it's a systemic thing and it can make you more prone to diabetes and it, you know, acne and just all kinds of, all kinds of intense things. And, uh, and I'm still struggling with how to share this, <laughs> this story, but, um, I was I was thinking about it yesterday like I told you I was thinking about it yesterday because um, I've been and I, I still think it's kind of funny to talk about these these sorts of things because they're still kind of taboo uh, for some people but I also think that it's really important to talk about it and I think that it's important that we have a society where it's not taboo but it's beautiful because it is beautiful um, but I I track my cycle and um, I had thought that my cycle had gone off because when I he healed by all intents and purposes from PCOS in 2012 I went off of the birth control pills and synced up with the moon and uh, you know bled from from then on out with the moon, sometimes switching to be with the new moon, mostly bleeding on the full moon. And then um, my cycle started doing something odd last year. Last year was really crucial for me. It's when I really, I went and lived by myself in the redwoods. I really, really devoted my life to the healing work that I'm doing for others now and all of that. But I noticed my cycle was doing something different and I, wasn't he wasn't bleeding with the moon the way it often I often did um, and I at first I thought something was wrong and I just so I just started tracking it I wouldn't necessarily track it before because I could tell when I was ovulating I could tell when I was bleeding and it was with the moon like there wasn't really a need but I was like what's going on and I started to realize that um, I was bleeding with the when the moon is in Sagittarius, and the moon has a quick cycle through the astrological signs. Um, so, yeah, I realized I was bleeding with the, like, astrological. And you're a Sagittarius. <laughs> Sagittarius. And then ovulating with Aries, when the moon is in Aries. And um, so anyway, I'm... I'm rather fascinated by this and like posted a on an astrolog astrological like group and, and Facebook and it's something that you know 
I don't know. There were there were like two or three other women who had had a similar experience, but otherwise people were like, "Wow, you know." <laughs> Interesting. Yeah. No. When I understand, like when we're so cut off from nature, like if I, if there was moon cycles where I don't go outside and look at the moon, then I might be a few days off. But if I go out and I'm out in nature and I literally spend time just looking up at the moon and soaking it in, then I just sink back up with the moon. Now, you know it. Yeah, it maybe it's taboo and maybe it doesn't mean something to some people who are listening, but I think we're all in touch with nature and if it's not, you know, the cycle then it's something else for someone else. You know, there's this clearing and this oh, the just this connection that we we are made much more whole when we're in nature and much more at peace. And so I think that is that's important. We are that. We are of the stars and we are of the earth, you know? Yes. Um, that, that was one of the messages from my near-death experience was remind them to go to nature. So we're doing that right now. Like, yeah. you know, whether you're male, female, you know, whatever age you are, like nature is important. It's just part of our healing. Yes. And it's it's funny. I mean, I want to get back to the PCOS thing and, yeah, you know, yeah. <laughs> there's one more thing to say about that if we remember. But, um, but it, that's a really important thing to to touch on because a lot of my life I live very close to nature. I often live places where I could just go out on a hiking trail. I didn't even have to get into a car. Um, nice. And I, I would live though places where I was within range of a city because I do enjoy the things that go on in cities. And um, for my masters I moved to Seattle and that was really the first time I lived in a city city. And But it, it's a very quiet city and so it didn't and I lived in a pretty like quiet neighborhood there were still lots of parks that's one of the things that I love about Seattle it has many many parks so um, I could still actually like run down to the water um, you know uh, but being in Seattle I got even more used to having certain things that you have in the city, there was a wonderful dance scene there, and all this stuff. And um, but I didn't realize I had some other health issues. I didn't realize I had a really big issue with vitamin D at the time, and so I was getting sick a lot. And I like fled Seattle for California, and went to the Bay Area. And uh, it was when I was in the Bay Area that I really awakened to doing healing work, mystical work as my vocation, you know what I mean, as my calling. And did you open to that easily? I think we talked about how there was some reluctance, so could you yeah, describe that some hard, of that? <laughs> that was a hard journey, um, and, and we come back to that too, but I want to say it was a, it was a struggle for me because I didn't know, I, I didn't want to admit to myself just how much of me still longed to be closer to nature. Like I would still go on lots of hikes and stuff like that. Um, and the, the housing situation in the Bay Area is horrible. So I would be going from sublet to sublet to sublet and it was really challenging. And when a particular <laughs> sublet was coming to an end, like the landlord decided that he needed to move back into the house I was like, well, I'm working for myself now. I am going back to nature. And I moved to the Redwoods, and it was such, such a relief. And, you know, it was just to say that, like, 
to go back to what you were saying, we need it so much more than, than often we realize. And, um, I mean, I always knew that I needed nature, but I was trying to, I was like, that's the thing that us humans often do. And what I have done for myself and try to help others do is, you know, let go of what we think we should be doing or what we think is going to make us happy to go for what is really calling from within, even if it seems like, well, how's that possible? Or how's that going to work? Or what if I miss out on these social things or what, you know? And, um, but like spirit said to me years ago, when you honor, (laughs) it's so beautiful. It's still like makes me emotional. When you honor yourself, you honor all of creation. Mm. And, so for me, moving back to nature was part of doing that. That is beautiful. That really touches me in a deep area because, yeah, the fears that we have about coming out and, you know, coming out as a medium or coming out, you know, as a mystic or, you know, just calling ourselves these things in a society that, well, for me, you know, this is back in 1995, it was unheard of, you know, to, um, in, in my conservative family to say, hey, I'm having these psychic flashes or, you know, yeah. hey, I, I'm able to channel or, you know, these are things that were just shocking to my family. And so I just kind of kept them under wraps and I, you know, you want to be accepted by people and, and then, you know, then too, it was in my early twenties and I wanted to date, you know, like I didn't, I didn't want to come like, Hey, I'm a psychic, <laughs> you know, that would certainly run off some people, <laughs> you know, so there was this, um, yeah. yeah. So on so many different levels, I was like just denying who I was. And then of course, as an academic, I continued to use that other side to help my students and especially, you know, students who were hurting, but I didn't want to come out and blog openly probably until 2016 so i understand that impetus to you know fit into society but it's not as fun you know it's it's really not it's way more exciting to just be who you are yes and it's it's often hard for us to make that leap but when we do it's such such a relief yeah and and but the other thing is is like sometimes people feel like I feel like I have a purpose and this was me too for a really long time like I feel like I'm here to do this thing or be this thing and and the truth is is we don't have to be or do anything in particular it comes back to that as well just listening well to yourself every day and that that you know sometimes we have to make pretty big leaps that are scary um, but but when we listen well, we are able to know what those are. And even if it takes us a couple tries, you know, we can keep listening. We can keep feeling that call, you know, and we come more and more into alignment with who we are. And that brings peace, real peace. So how has it been for you since 2015, making that switch into being way more in the flow and more in alignment with who you really are? How's the experience? The beginning was hard as fuck. <laughs> and yes, we cuss on this channel. <laughs> That's fine. Yeah, because it, it is sometimes. <laughs> the beginning was not... I. <laughs> Like I think I shared with you before, like I actually had some of my most dark moments ever in my entire life. And that's actually saying a lot because I went through some really challenging things starting from a very young age and all the illness and stuff like that. Some of my darkest, darkest moments 
were just before I put out the YouTube video that got 9,000 views and and totally changed how, like I already had a mailing list, I was already working with some clients, but like that totally changed things. I mean, when we choose, this is something that I talk with clients a lot about too, when we choose ourselves, it's not always sunshine and roses uh, because then we're also choosing to see everything and and that's that takes time as well. Um, yeah. yeah. I, I was going to say something, and I wonder if this is the case for you too. But as a woman, when you're choosing yourself, and this is something that I struggle with, I know that there have been other lifetimes where I haven't chosen myself, and maybe I didn't even have the financial capacity to do that or the society that would accept me, you know, mm -hmm. in, in the sense of expressing myself. But it is it is terrifying. I mean, there's so much that you have to walk through. And then when you're leaving a more traditional realm, you know, that, you know, there's the box that you fit into, then you're just up against the world in a new way. And it's, it is uh, just a totally different experience. And I'm, I'm not fully in there. I'm, I'm part-time with all this. So I would like to hear your experience of how, how that was. Um, I don't even know where to start. One thing I I do want to say is I think that I think being quote unquote part time is good um, up into a certain point, you know. But it does because like the first time I think I was talking to you before about like um, when I first really came out of the closet and I put up my website and I was really doing mediumship for people and I, but I was finishing my master's degree and, um, you know, that moment where I was really terrified to try and make it work financially. Um, I'm really glad that I also didn't try to force it then. And it's a very, you know, kind of back to that other thing that I said, like, it doesn't matter what we're doing, one could be a trucker and be in their enlightenment and minister to those at the truck stops, you know what I mean? Yes. Um, but it's about how we're in alignment with who we are. But for me, I also had this, uh, I didn't ever want to force it. I wanted that, like, it was terrifying for me. And so it was important to face the fear and keep moving forward. But I also didn't ever want to force it or be coming from ego or in some ways that held me back. I was in certain ways very naive and innocent when I went into this. I didn't realize how many people would look at me as competition when I started shining. And I remember years ago um, someone sharing with me like don't let others other people's jealousy of you get in your way and I it was like I didn't even realize until a year into doing it just how much I actually that had happened and I'd allowed it and I hadn't even seen it because I was facing so many of my internal fears to even be out there doing what I was doing uh, so the thought of like competing with another person was like not even what you know like that someone would be jealous that I was doing because it was so hard for me I was having so many challenges internally, I couldn't imagine that someone would be jealous of yeah. 
whatever attention that I was getting, you know what I mean? Yeah, and you know, part of the spiritual journey for me is coming out of isolation and into community, and so the whole jealousy thing is kind of like, it just blows by me because I'm like, wow, I just expected this, and it has largely been too, I mean, like there are those weird moments, but community is so important because then I don't feel alone in this. I mean, the people who have reached out to me and shared their journey and talked about things that they have done and how they've opened up, I, I'm so grateful to them. You know, like they are the ones, the mentors that, that means so much, but yeah, there, there are people who look at this as a business or a competition and, and it's, that's America. (laughs) Yeah. And that's, I think, I all like I always and I still it makes things quote unquote hard for me at times in certain ways but it always has to come from the heart for me and I can feel if and when it isn't and that doesn't feel good and um, but anyway I mean that strayed from the topic a little bit but it was um, it was about just being able to continue to move forward and to kind of like I alluded to before, when we listen to ourselves, we're still, that leads us then to the next lesson and the next lesson and the next lesson. And so for me, there was a lot in there about really um, then having faith and saying, okay, I'm being called to do this. And so, and I'm being called not to try and manipulate this. Like I could have Um, I was one of the earlier people on YouTube who was talking about things like twin flames and stuff like that. And I could have like really capitalized on that in a different kind of business way. But, but I was called to learn about my faith and my faith in just continuing in my own healing and having, letting it be an organic exploration. Um, And I wouldn't wouldn't speak a little bit more about twin flames and soulmates because I'm one of these people even though I'm on the spiritual journey I've been really sarcastic about it and and I kind of I think we have yes yes Yes. (laughs) so I I think that there are people who mirror us and yes we feel the passion and connection and whatever and then there are people who are compatible with us and are more like you know soulmates um because they can be with us for the long haul but you know, I'd like to get rid of some of my cynicism around the whole thing, because anytime I see people talking about it, I'm just like, oh, whatever, you know, like, we're just, I am connected to the light, and I'm going to have a soul connection with the people I'm going to have soul connections with, and that's that, but yeah, everyone has different theories on that, what is your theory? Well, I mean, for me, it's, it wasn't like, this was, <laughs> this was something I feel like I, I basically planned to have this experience in, in my life. Um, it was funny because, and it, this is a much, much bigger, bigger conversation, but um, and I'm trying to, to feel just how to go about it because I, like you, I have a totally cynical part of me. I have a part of me that hardly even believes in love of the romantic sort um, because I've just seen, seen so much screwed up stuff. You know what I mean? Um <laughs> Yeah, uh, but I'm probably going to get unexpectedly emotional about this. Um, 
and it's and I don't talk about my personal experiences a lot publicly because I'm a very private person and that's been a, a strange thing for me to be in certain ways in the public eye but be a very private person um, but kind of what happened um, and just bear with me for a moment here because it's going to lead into my explanation for the the twin twin flame thing I don't like that label and I've pulled away from the label not because I don't believe in a lot of these experiences they're very real and I've worked with hundreds of people now around the globe and there is something here um, but I I connected with someone um, it, I there's no way to put it into words but there was such a an experience of recognition. Um, it's gonna make me emotional. Sorry. And I'm really, really grateful because it catalyzed, like it. I spent a lot of my life running, right? Running from my spirituality, running, like despite having the near-death experience, despite all of these things, that cynical part of me or the part that wanted to just play it safe, fit in the box, you know, was terrified to be seen um, for reasons I cannot even explain. This person, made me stop running and there are very clear mirror for who I am who I was wanting to become and also you know the <laughs> kind of forced upon me a lot of not forced upon me because I feel it was a, it is a, a soul plan choice, you know, uh, so, so much growth, some of it not of the easy kind, you know, um, this person also really triggered me. I wanted to run away from the love that I felt quite often. Um, and they did also. <laughs> um, but it was it was really interesting. I had gotten quite angry with this person. I'm just going to say this person. Um, and I thought, oh, like any other connection in my life, I can just let this go. You know, I've, I felt soul connections with people and some that lingered for years after we had contact and stuff like that. But I pushed him away and it wasn't like in the interpersonal way he then wouldn't leave me alone. It was like the connection never died and got even more intense. And on a spiritual level, huh? spiritual level, hmm. and I got pissed about it. 
<laughs> yeah, I can imagine. <laughs> we want to control things. <laughs> yeah, I and I um. I, yeah, I wanted to make it go away. It's so funny to me when people like look for a twin flame or something like that. And I'm like, man, if you're meant to have an experience like this is gonna, you're not, <laughs> you can't make it not happen. You know what I mean? Like, um, and I was mad about it. Uh, but so I started looking for explanations for the experiences that I was having and, and, um, so that long? What kind of time period are we talking about? This not going away. I don't. I don't want to. Maybe right now, at least, go into that. But this was when this was intensifying. Uh, this feeling where I pushed them away, but then all the like feelings and feeling them and the spiritual connection um, was 2015. And this person had also, at the very beginning of that year sort of unwittingly catalyzed one of the biggest heart uh, opening experiences I've ever had in my life. And so it was very much not logically aligned, but energetically, spiritually aligned with the opening that I was experiencing in terms of saying, okay, I will, I will open up to my mediumship abilities. I will open up to all of this. I, you know, um, so, when I was having these experiences and feeling like frustrated and like back and forth between like wanting to have this person in my life and feeling mad about it and feeling all the, all of this energetic stuff. Um, it, it, yeah, it was, <laughs> it was in 2015 in that time period. And, um, and w one of the interesting things that happened, um, there have been many, many layers to that whole experience, and I don't really want to go into it, but it was very much a part of my soul's plan. Um, and it was interesting because as much as I was resisting that experience, I was also like being forced to make peace with it um, people started finding me who were having similar experiences and I was able to help them and they, um, they were like, you really have a gift and you need to present like more of this information to other people because there are lots of us having these, these spiritual kinds of experiences with another person that that break the mold of typical relationships you know um but are very much bound to spiritual growth and are often part of a 3d relationship as well so did you get information from your guides and from dreams about what's going on too or Yes, yeah. I mean, to a certain degree. I mean, we're given we're given what we need to be able to keep continuing, let's say. And, um, 
but it's 2015. I mean, do you feel freed? I mean, maybe I'm asking too many personal questions. I'm not, I don't want to go. I don't want to go into that too yeah. much uh, in terms of the the personal connection. Um, I am. I am no. I am no longer feeling that. Like the resistance, or you know what I mean. Um, but but it was interesting because I I thought that my quote unquote spiritual work was just going to be in terms of like um, the psychic work that I did, the mediumship, like helping to guide people. I I had no idea it would have this component of supporting people with their uh, relationships and people in all kinds of different relationships, you know. I think anything that we've gone through, then, and we touched on this, but anything that we've walked through, we can help other people. So immediately yeah. I saw that because I suffered child abuse, you know, I was so connected to every student who had suffered abuse in their home from profound ways to small ways and, and just pain, you know, of family dynamics. And then I felt connected to women and men who'd been raped. And then I felt connected to people who'd been divorced. And, you know, like whatever it is that I walked through, I was connected to others. So it makes total sense that anything you experience, you can guide other people and you can help them. Yeah. In, in, that, in that regard, that's very true. But it was still, it was still like, even if I didn't want to guide people doing this, that was like <laughs> I was forced into helping people with this. Yeah. <laughs> and so, because that was that was the YouTube video that I did that just went crazy was um, a tarot reading that centers around this kind of divine love. And so back to like all your feelings about twin flames and all of this, um, what I discovered working with hundreds of people around the globe, you know, partly, of course, like through the, the YouTube videos and the comments and the emails that I was received, but then hundreds of people that I met with one-on-one. -on -one. What I have discovered is that for many at this time on the planet, uh, many are being asked to awaken via this kind of connection with someone else. And a lot of these people are destined or to be together. Um, it, I never emphasize that, though, because for me, it is about you are the one. You know what I mean? Like, so it's about helping people to align with themselves as I have done. I know that for me, I it even if my ego wanted to be in a relationship in 2015, not a good idea, you know. I would only, like, vaguely be ready around this time in my life. Um, so it's basically what I've seen is happening, and what I see is the value of the whole quote-unquote twin flame dynamic is, one, it's awakening people to unconditional love. And there sometimes is, sometimes is no better way to get someone's attention and back to the near-death experiences and all of that. Uh, I mean, there was no better way to get my attention regarding 
this love that I am here to feel and to be and to eventually experience with another than through another being. You know? Yeah. So, so, uh, I don't, so yeah, people are, I'll get, I know you have something to say, but I wanted to say that. Yeah. So people are being, um, really pushed into, you know, there's a lot of talk about unconditional love, but these kinds of connections teach it to you. They teach you the meaning and the experience of unconditional love for self and for another being. Probably um, on, on a deeper level, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there are many, like we've had the conversation before, there are many ways to do this. Uh, there are many ways to be shown. Near-death experience is one of them. But uh, for some of us, I feel, and it's like it's, it's not a matter of it being right or wrong. It's just it's some some souls came to have this experience, came to be awakened this way. And so it's not a wrong or a right, it's just some souls have come to have this experience to, you know, and it's it's not about hanging on to the other person or making them into something that they aren't or anything like that. Um, but what I have seen that it's doing for the people that I work with and, you know, I can see for myself is it's changing how um, we're, for a lot of people, how we're looking at relationships instead of doing this from the outside in thing, it's from the inside out. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense yeah. on some level. It, it's easy to love pets unconditionally. It's easy to love students unconditionally. It's easy to love the world unconditionally. And it's really easy to put partners in boxes and to go, oh, they hurt me in this way, so I'm going to close this off. And, oh, you know, well, this person works because we have all these things in common, so I'll push through and and not just love them unconditionally, you know, for the things that they want to do and the way that they want to express themselves. And I think that is, like, a greater challenge. So when people are able to love unconditionally in a relationship, that's certainly profound. Yeah. I guess it's still that label. I mean, does it matter? I mean, like, you know, I, is it any any relationship that you're just able to love unconditionally in any romantic relationship? I mean, isn't that I don't you know, that, that running? I think that's what bugged me about twin flame descriptions too. Is like, <laughs> Uncle, come on, stop running. <laughs> well, yeah, except unless you have this actual experience, then you know why. You know, and and not everybody's here to have that experience. From the outside looking in, it's like, what the fuck? Yeah, just stop running. But <laughs> if you're faced with all the parts of yourself that want to run from love, and that was, I guess, what I was shown in um, in that near death experience, like especially that second experience I had, just how resistant us human beings are, and so. It, it isn't this way for everybody, but some of us, maybe it's the most stubborn ones, I don't know. <laughs> we come and we arrange to have, and sometimes potentially more than one, like I said, I don't necessarily like the twin flame label, and that's a whole other thing. And I, and to me, all of it is a big mystery, and that I, yeah. I love that, and I still have the cynical side of myself. But what what I can see is that that experience, like no other, has 
pushed me to my heart again and again and again, further and further and further, in a way that no other experience could. And that has been the truth for so many people that I've connected with around the world. That I understand that no matter what situation, if it opens your heart more in this unconditional loving way, then you know, what a beautiful experience, because that is, I mean, that love on the other side that I experienced during the near-death experience, like, I just long for more of it. Like, I can find it in meditation. I can find it in giving to the world. I can find it in, and yes, yeah, sometimes in, in a union, you know, there is that element of unconditional love. But, um, but yeah, that's what we all need more of, is more and more and more unconditional love. Yes. Yes. Um, so the way the way that I've seen it and experienced, it, you know, working with so so many people is it's just a part of this awakening that's happening on the planet. It's a part of, and it's also a part of uh, coming back. I mean, even back to the PCOS thing, like coming back into harmony. Um, a lot of the things that I have been through and then also that I experienced with that particular connection helped me balance my own masculine and feminine and be more safe. Sorry, I feel like I've had something in my eye a lot of the time, also my hair. Um, but to be more safe in being a woman and um, in every dimension of that. Not just, not just also, because that's a whole other conversation, is um, women are not supposed to be powerful, but we are, you know, there, and there are so many dimensions of the goddess or of womanhood, and it's not all pretty. Um, and, and for me to really embrace all of that and feel safe in that power is a huge, huge thing. Yeah, I, I hear you on that one. Like, I, I feel like I came into this world feeling very powerful. And then after my near-death experience, I felt incredibly powerful. I mean, in, in a naive kind of way, I thought, oh, I'm the next Deepak Chopra. You know, like, I'm, <laughs> I'm the next Marion Williamson. You know, I mean, like, in silly, silly ways, I didn't realize that, you know, I had so much to let go of and so much to learn. And, and then I really didn't realize how painful this world would be to a young woman you know, in this young woman's journey, because I, I suffered a lot. And, you know, I'm still facing, you know, things in society that were not pretty. And, yeah. and yeah, it's made part of me like a warrior, you know, like there's this other part of me that's incredibly angry and strong. And I don't see that as a bad thing. You know, no. like I, I don't see it as a bad thing at all. No, I just got chills all up and down. This is something I've been wanting to talk a lot more about. Um, you know, Kali, I don't know if you're familiar with the goddess Kali, she is just as valid a an expression of the divine feminine as, you know, Mother Mary. And Mother Mary is an energy that I'm very connected with, but I I grew to really love Kali in the last couple of years. And it was funny, I, I had an um, you know, it's and it's part of this it's this tidal shift that we're seeing happening with the Me Too movement and more awareness being raised and all of that um, because it, it can't be the way that it was anymore. But I, it was like even as I was 
you know, doing more and more of my spiritual work publicly and all of that, especially early on in that, I was presented with even more, you know, experiences of sexual harassment, you know, and most of us have had those experiences going back pretty far. And I looked like I was one when I was 13. And so that had some ramifications. Um, but, but it was interesting because at that time, um, like the first thing that happened that was really awful, it was in 2000, was at the end of 2015 or the beginning of 2016, I did the the usual thing of like, pretend that didn't happen. Or just, you know what I mean? It, yeah. uh, like, I don't know how to deal with this and like didn't talk to anybody about it. And, you know, um, and then I had another experience where it was actually a healer who really crossed a line with me. And, um, and I felt that energy of Kali. I felt that rise up in my being. And I spoke out in that situation. I was met with more um, what you might call <laughs> white male patriarchy BS <laughs> in response. And I was like, uh, but, um, but I started really getting, oh, like, it's, it's so important to have that side. And actually that, that person also taught me a lot about that. And that helped to heal my, my own relationship with my father. It helped heal my relationship with the masculine and the masculine within myself. Um, so that the more tender part of myself could just feel safe to be. Interesting. Yeah. Like that's coming full circle I realized that the tougher part of myself like those situations made me access a tougher part of myself or a stronger part of myself and and really even I don't know if it's past life stuff but puts um heal some part of me that wanted revenge immediately you know like there was this like how could someone cross this boundary and take away my power you know I want I want it righted in some way instead of just realizing like okay I can both forgive, acknowledge this, and then be someone who helps protect the world in some way and speaks out and, and changes the situation for others, you know, but, and, and reminds people to do the right thing, to speak out in that moment, to start changing things. And even, I think I have an energy that teaches young men how to be differently, you know, like, especially when I've taught in junior high classrooms and high school classrooms, there's a lot of wonderful men who just you know, from their family upbringings or from, you know, their, their environment, they don't even know that they're crossing boundaries. But when you talk about it, then they start to realize how to be different. Yes. Yeah. It's so, so, so important. There's so much healing. Um, and that's, that's a lot of the gift that I see in the whole quote unquote twin flame, whatever the heck this, because I, I get really irritated also with a lot of the twin flame stuff that's out there because I feel like it actually pulls people away from this here because this is what it's really yes. about. Yes. Um, uh, but it is also about the healing of, of the masculine and the feminine on the planet at this time. Mm -hmm. and it's really powerful stuff. 
it is, and that's that's a beautiful place to end. I don't know if you want to say anything about your divine masculine and divine feminine readings, but um, we can end there if you want to say something. <laughs> I don't. I don't know. I mean, yeah, I do. I still do have the YouTube channel. Um, I am aware for my own work. Um, a lot of where my my own personal growth is in my spiritual work is is in the mediumship part. I think that we start to become chased by the things that we need more of in our lives. So now I've been having a lot of people contact me who had their person uh, pass away. Hmm. Um, so, and I know that for myself, Self, that's a part of my my work that I have. Um, it's very intense work, and it's about healing. It's about healing between dimensions, which I think that you understand and have experienced too, doing that work. Um, but anyway, you know, it's I love working with people, supporting. I support people with all kinds of things. Um, and I'm aware that I am always, always growing. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for talking with me. This has been beautiful on a couple of days before Valentine's Day. But uh, I wish you the best. And please subscribe to my channel if you want to hear more lovely interviews like this one. But thank you. Good night. Thank you, Trisha.